Hallelujah. We are glad you're here as you are beginning to work your way to your chair. Some of you are beginning, some of you are still talking. We've always believed that the last last ten people to sit down should give a hundred dollar offering <laughs> in cash. That's a brand new rule. We just we made that up. Hallelujah. I'm the designated person to preach and give the announcement. We only have one. Uh, I'd just like to say I appreciate our worship team. We have an awesome worship team. And it's kind of a unique situation. You know, we, uh, we have so many talented musicians that we rotate a lot. Uh, you know, different ones are on the stage at different times. And I appreciate Brother Troy and his uh, diligent effort to try and get all that coordinated and keep that all together. He does an excellent job. Not an easy job. And musicians are strange creatures. Um, so we, I appreciate our worship team. They do an excellent job. Great anointing every week, week after week, no matter what musicians or singers we have. Just tremendous anointing. I heard they had a great worship time. The ladies had a great worship time on Tuesday night. Uh, just a tremendous time. I, I, I kind of wished I could have gone. You know, it sounded so exciting. You know, all the men, we felt really excluded. And uh, we were sad to sit home. And uh, But maybe we'll have a worship night that's just worship for everyone. Not just the ladies, but everyone. That would be great. And one reason I'm mentioning the worship team is they, uh, we love for them to go to a, some sort of conference uh, every year, and they want to go to the Gateway Conference out in Dow- Dallas-Fort Worth area. It's a, it's a design for worship and worship team so they can learn, receive from others. So they're raising money so they can go on that. It's a little expensive for all of them to go. So they are selling shrimp dinners. Hopefully you have already bought your shrimp dinner ticket. A uh, big pile of shrimp, and I can't remember what else, but uh, boiled shrimp and all kinds of stuff. But I think they sold over 200 uh, dinners. So uh, just know this, that they, they'll they have tables in the front uh, and also both sides. You just present your ticket, and they'll give you your pile of shrimp, and you can uh, eat it and uh, take it home, whatever, how you want to do it. And they will have a few extra uh, for those who forgot or didn't bother to get a ticket. Uh, you can also purchase uh, some because they always cook a little bit extra. So anyway, we appreciate the worship team. I'm excited. We're going to finish up the parable series. How many of you have enjoyed our parable series? been a great series. Learned a great deal. We have not covered every parable because there were actually many of them, actually over 27 of them. So we're covering, uh, this is number nine of that. And, and I will have to say I'm a little prejudice here. I, I, this is my favorite parable. Uh, I've always loved this parable. And so we're going to wrap it up today. But let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Use me to speak and for the Holy Spirit to speak to you also. Father, I just submit myself to you. What an amazing God you are. What an amazing God that you have been to us and how faithful you have been. How faithful you have proven yourself over and over. And Lord, once again, I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit 
I ask for your wisdom and direction and counsel and guidance. And Lord, speak through me. As I'm speaking, Lord, I just open my mouth and I I open my heart. and, And Lord, I just ask you as I begin to speak, Lord, that you would speak through me. And you would say through me the things that you want to say to your people. And then, Lord, in turn, our lives will be changed. You know exactly where we are in our life. And we ask you to take where we are and change us, Lord. Make us into who you want us to be. Renew us and strengthen us. I cannot do this without you. I need you, O Lord. I I need your help. I need your anointing. And we come to you and thank you for that, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, um, everybody seems to be focused on the eclipse tomorrow. Uh, I'm not too terribly worried about it. I know I've seen all kinds of YouTube things about it and, uh, you know, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. I want to tell you, I'm not, I don't really have my focus on the eclipse. I really don't. Uh, if I'm going to get focused, I would be focused on October the 5th. Why? Well, it, it's because Jerusalem was once again back in the hands of the Jewish people in 1967, actually in June of 1967. And that October, they celebrated for the first time in 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. Can you imagine that? After two millennia, they came back together Now, they were formed as a nation in 1948 and fought for the land, but they didn't get Jerusalem until that six-day war, a miraculous war in itself. And they were able to receive back Jerusalem. And because they did, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles, the in-gathering harvest, the final harvest. They blew the shofar, and they celebrated And so if you go from 67 to 2017, how many years is that? 50 years. This is the year of Jubilee. The year of release from that first time in 1967. So I'm always a believer that God has done in the past major things on the major feast. Jesus died on Passover. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost. So all kinds of things have happened in the past at times of major feast. So every late September, October, when the Feast of Tabernacles is celebrated, I always get a little, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And now I'm thinking 50 years, the year of Jubilee, the year release. Lord, what are you going to do? So you can see why I'm a lot more focused on that than I am worried about a, something that's going to happen over a period of two or three hours and it's going to be over. Just don't look at it. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. And God is changing, moving in the spiritual realm and doing 
amazing and unusual things. He is preparing our hearts. He is getting us ready. And as he's getting us ready, he's teaching us principles that we need to know, that we need to understand for life. And in anticipation and preparation for the things he wants to do in our life, he prepares us for that. He gets us ready for that. He doesn't just surprise us. He gets us ready. And actually, I'm believing that as we have gone through these parables, that these parables have helped prepare us. That God, by His Spirit, would use those parables to teach us more of His heart. To teach us more of His principles. You know, the idea is that God wants us to know His heart. Not just some rules. There's a big difference between knowing God's heart and knowing some rules. And so today we look at what I consider to be the most powerful and amazing parable that Jesus taught. And it's actually the parable itself is very short. But what surrounded the parable is what makes the parable powerful. So let me just set it up a little bit. Jesus is invited to eat with the Pharisee. And that in itself is pretty amazing. First question I have when I read that was, why in the world would a Pharisee ask Jesus to come eat with him? Well, my guess is that he wanted to trick him. He wanted to find something wrong with him. He wanted to find some fault in him. Or, giving him the benefit of the doubt, maybe he was just curious and maybe wanted to learn more about this Jesus. Now, Jesus had already said some things and done some things to upset the apple cart. This is near the beginning of the ministry we're going to read in Luke 7. And he's already done some things to upset the Pharisees. And he, this Pharisee is named Simon. And Simon asked Jesus to come and eat with him. And Jesus decides to attend. He attends. And it says, and we're going to read the parable in a minute. But I'm just trying to set up the picture here. A prostitute walks in in the middle of dinner. You don't realize, I mean, that had to be the most amazing thing in the whole world. Probably the most surprised person was Simon the Pharisee. (laughs) She just walked right in. And what she does stuns everyone except Jesus. I, I get the feeling Jesus is not all that surprised because I believe his understanding and his wisdom, he really knew this was all going to happen. This was all a setup. Jesus was about to show us the comparison of two individuals, a Pharisee and a prostitute. How they were going to react to the same situation. And then Jesus would use that to tell a parable. But in that parable, he's trying to speak to our hearts too. You know, whenever he told a parable, it wasn't just to those people in that situation that parable was to you and to me 
He taught stories, real life stories, to teach us a lesson, to teach us something that we could learn from. And so I would ask you as we read this parable, we're going to go, it's from verse 36 down to verse 50 in Luke 7. But as we read this, I'm just going to ask you to open up your hearts and say, Lord, speak to me. Okay, let's read it. Luke 7, 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, so he didn't say this out loud, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. You know, God can read our thoughts and he can answer our thoughts. That's a scary thought. But he knows what we're thinking. He answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. So here's the parable. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other. Verse 42, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Watch watch what he's doing. He turned to the woman and he said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman He's not looking at Simon, but he's talking to Simon. He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume, probably frankincense. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, so he'd been speaking all this to Simon, but looking at the woman. Now he says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table, so they're not alone. There's obviously a group of men, probably the Pharisees' friends. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amazing. What a powerful story.
Jesus wanted to say something to you and to me. And he uses this story. I call it the forgiven sinner. Because Jesus says she's forgiven. It also tells us she's a sinner, an immoral woman. The high chances that she's a prostitute. What would cause a woman to become a prostitute in those days? Usually monetarily. Faced with a destitute situation. Sometimes their parents would sell their children into prostitution. So the family would not starve to death. Sometimes they were forced into it. We don't know what forced her into that being that kind of person, that kind of lifestyle. But there are several things that are important to recognize. And I think the truths contained here are truths that can help us, that can set us free. The first thing, and that is, we must come to Jesus with boldness. Say the word boldness. Now, I just want you to just sense, get a picture of the boldness this lady had. It was bold to walk into somebody's house that you have not been invited, much less you being a prostitute and the house is the house of a Pharisee. I mean, how much boldness did that take? It was an amazing event. I'm sure Simon stood there, open mouth, could not believe it, could not believe she walked in, and she walks up and and the men are kind of all reclining. Uh, and they're kind of laying on Simon of a short couch, and that's the way they would eat then, and it would all be facing a table where they would eat. And she comes up behind Jesus. Some of the translations she says she stood. This one says she knelt. Either way, she probably wanted to say something, but she can't. She's overcome. She never says a word In this parable. And she begins to weep. I believe she's filled with gratitude. I believe Jesus had touched her life somehow, some way, somewhere. And she walks into that house to express her gratitude. And carried that jar of alabaster jar of perfume with her. And... It took great boldness for her to enter that house. You know, she didn't really care what the Pharisee thought. And as I saw the boldness of this woman, I thought, this is what we need to come to Jesus. You and I need boldness to come to Jesus. If you're going to come to Jesus, you need that same kind of boldness. You need to have that same desperate heart to say, Jesus, I need you. I need your life. If you're going to come to Jesus and worship Him, you need that same boldness. We are told, we are encouraged in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says basically the same thing. He says, so let us come, how? Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Therefore, we will receive His mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it. The most. 
This woman needed grace and mercy. She was desperate. It does not say how she knew Jesus. It doesn't say where he touched her life, how she came to believe in him. But I'm convinced Jesus had already touched her life somehow. Maybe she was there when he talked somewhere. Maybe she was there at the feeding of the 5,000. Maybe she was there when he performed another miracle. Maybe she was there when he taught. It doesn't really tell us. But I can see that she was touched. She was a changed person. You see, the only way she would come in with that jar of perfume was that she is already touched. She already is believing. She is already filled with gratitude. And her intent, I believe her intent was to express her love for the Lord. But she couldn't get it out. How many of you have been so filled with emotion that you just couldn't get a word out? Y'all ever been there? You just, it just won't come out. And so she did the only thing that would work, and that is she just wept. And then she took the perfume, and she poured it on his feet, and she took her hair and pulled her hair down. Nearly all the women had their hair fixed up. And, and for her to do that, she would have to pull her hair down. Do you know in the Talmud, which are the teachings of the religious Jews based upon the Old Testament, in the Talmud, it says... And this is not, God didn't write this. This is what the religious Jews wrote. It says that if a woman takes her hair down in the presence of other men, that's a reason for divorce. That's what the Pharisees decided. No scriptural basis for that, but that's just what they said. But this woman, she took her hair down and she began to use her hair to dry the feet of Jesus. And then she took the perfume and began to anoint his feet. And she kissed his feet. And of course, the comparison is the, the way she reacted, the way she responded versus the way Simon responded. Do you see how he responded? His first thought was, I'm shocked that she's here. But now he's upset with Jesus. He's thinking, if you're really a prophet, you would know what kind of woman this is, and you would certainly not let her touch you. You see, he's upset that Jesus is not pushing her away, saying, get away from me, you sinful woman. Do not touch me, because the the Pharisees believed that the unclean would make us unclean if they touched us. And so they could not touch another person that they thought was unclean. When we went to Israel back in 2008, uh, they had the religious strict Jews who would walk around and they would be dressed in black and have a little wide-brimmed hat. Uh, and when we would walk down the street, they made a point to get way away from us, to make sure they didn't brush up against us on the sidewalk. And we got, actually got on the elevator one time to go up, uh, and, and there was one on there. And I want to tell you, he was hugging the corner. It's just like he was deathly afraid of touching us. 
because we're unclean. We're Gentile. And he didn't want to make himself unclean by touching us. And so this religious Pharisee, he's the same way. Simon disdained this woman. And not only that, he believed his sin was better than her sin. See, that's what a Pharisee will do. They have sin in their life, but they just think their sin is not as bad as your sin. And so, Jesus was exposing the hypocrisy of Simon. But he was also exposing our own hypocrisy. He was also exposing... Because sometimes we think our sin is not as bad as somebody else's sin. We look at someone else and say, oh, they've done something really terrible. But what I've done is it's bad, but it's not that bad. That's the same mentality. So we have to make sure that we're not reacting like Simon did. And we need that boldness. And I want to encourage you to develop a boldness like this woman had. To desire to be in the presence of Jesus. And a desire to express your love and your admiration and your worship of Jesus with the same kind of boldness that this woman had. It's amazing. We're learning how to do it God's way from the sinner. And we're learning how not to do it from the religious person. The second thing, great forgiveness produces great love. Think about that. Great forgiveness produces great love. You see, the way we perceive God's forgiveness of us will in turn cause us to have great love. And if we can't love others, and if we can't love God, it tells us something about our relationship with God, and it tells us about our forgiveness. You know, we talked on one of our parables in Matthew 18 about how we need to forgive others, but this is a parable that's taking forgiveness in a different direction. And that is that if we truly believe we are forgiven, A response to that forgiveness is that we have great love. And that in turn produces gratitude. I happen to believe that one of the greatest principles of life is to learn how to live your life in gratitude for what God has done rather than take it for granted. So many people take things for granted. They expect things. They take them for granted. And here's a woman that's teaching all of us that the level of love we show to Jesus, it says something about how grateful we are for what God has done in our life. You know, Simon taught us what not to do. And and before you say, oh, this is 2,000 years ago, this is religious Pharisee, but you know, they're modern day Pharisees. And be careful before you think this doesn't apply to you because this is not a matter of saved or unsaved. Because there are a lot of people who have gotten saved. They said a sinner's prayer, 
and they're in church. And yet they've turned into a modern day Pharisee. And Pharisees have certain characteristics. Critical of others. Judgmental of others. It's easy to forget our, the forgiveness that we have. The forgiveness that we've received. And as a, as a result, we have little gratitude. Third thing I want us to see, and that is we are all in need of forgiveness. Now, I want you to notice in the parable. He says, two men were loaned money. One 500, one 50. In the New King James, several translations, it uses the word denarius. Here it uses silver. The bottom line is, it's 500 days of wages. A man's wages for that day. So some guy loans him 500 days wages. The other one, 50 days wages. But then it says, neither one could pay. They're both broke. And it doesn't really matter how much money you owe if you're bankrupt. (laughs) If you're bankrupt, you could owe a million dollars or ten dollars. If you don't have any money, you're still in the same boat. You're still bankrupt. And Jesus was saying to Simon, Simon, you are in the same situation as this prostitute. You are equal to this woman. He's showing this woman is the, is like the person who owed 500 and Simon is like the one who owed 50, but both are bankrupt. Both are broke. Both are unable to pay their debt. So therefore they are both needful of salvation and redemption and forgiveness. I, I don't know how Simon must have handled this. Maybe he didn't get it. Or maybe it took him a little while to figure this out. But he was telling Simon. Simon, you are in need of forgiveness just like this woman. And I want to encourage you, lest you build yourself up or get puffed up, just understand we are all in need of a Savior. We are all in need of forgiveness. We are all bankrupt before God. Yes, this woman had great sin. Jesus acknowledges that. But I'll say this. When that woman walked in, she already believed that Jesus would forgive her. Why do I say that? Why do I believe? Well, it has to do with the alabaster jar of perfume. You have to ask yourself a question. What is the prostitute doing with an expensive jar of perfume? I can tell you. Because in fact, in the days of Jesus, every young girl was given a jar of perfume by her father. 
And that jar of perfume was given to the young girl for her wedding night. And the plan was that every young girl who dreams of growing up someday and getting married, and on her wedding night, she would take that perfume and she would anoint herself so she would smell beautifully on her wedding night. That was the hope and dream of every young girl. And this prostitute, this immoral woman, Jesus had touched her. And I think she walked through her home wherever she was living and she saw that bottle sitting there that her daddy had given her. And she thought to herself, I'll never get married. I'll never have a wedding night. I'll never have the dream that I've had since a little girl that has long since been shattered by my life that I've lived. And she said to herself, I'm going to take this bottle of perfume and I'm going to lavish it on the one man that I believe loves me. Not for my body, but loves me for who I am. I'm going to give this perfume to the one man who will forgive me. Who will love me for who I am. She gave up her dreams of her wedding night. Because she knew those were over. So she took that bottle. And by the fact that she walked into the home with this bottle. Tells me. She believed. She would be forgiven. She believed she could be forgiven. She believed that there was someone named Jesus who didn't consider her trash. She had probably heard everyone else call her names worthless, trash, whore, prostitute. She had heard every name in the book. And what's worse is she was guilty. But something about Jesus... Something about Jesus made her believe that she could be forgiven. That she could be restored. She believed that this Jesus would forgive her and restore her. And she took that bottle that her daddy had given her as a young girl. And she broke that open. And she began to pour that on the feet of Jesus. Anointing his feet. And the room filled, the the fragrance filled the room. And it was a fragrance that said, Jesus, I love you. I love you. And she desired Jesus to say one thing. You are forgiven. And she heard it. You notice that's what he said to her. He talked to Simon, looked at the woman, but then finally looked at the woman and said, You are forgiven. You know, there's some people in this room 
you've given up on yourself. You've lived a life that you made a lot of mistakes, a lot of choices you, re- you regret. In doing so, you've hurt a lot of people. And you've dashed a lot of dreams that you had. And you and this woman are a lot alike. Today, I want you to believe with me what this woman believed. Jesus. Jesus can make a difference in my life. And I believe that I can be forgiven I believe that I can be a new person. I believe that my past can be washed away. I believe that I can be forgiven of my sin and I can start over in my life. How many times we have needed to start over in our life? You know, Jesus said something in verse 47. He said this. And he's talking to Simon. And he said... A person who is forgiven little shows little love. So true. That day, the Pharisee walked out of that house, his own house. He walked out unforgiven. That prostitute walked out that day forgiven. So who is in a better shape? Who came out smelling like a rose? Who came out ahead? It was not the Pharisee. And as I said before, sometimes we can become modern day Pharisees. You know, something I've learned about Pharisees, and that is, they may go to church, But they don't stick. They're always jumping from church to church because there's something amazing about Pharisees. They're always disappointed in someone. Someone always falls short. They're always mad at somebody for doing something. Someone did not measure up to their standards. And so as a result, usually after a while, they have to leave and go to another church. And then, lo and behold, someone fails them there. But you know, when you're in love with Jesus, when you're in love with Jesus, and all you're interested in is how you have been forgiven, you're really not focusing on everybody else and what they do or what they don't do. You don't have time to focus on everybody else's sins. You just want to thank God that your sins are forgiven. What an amazing life it is when our focus is on how God has forgiven us. And we're really not worried about what everybody else is doing. They can basically handle their own life. I don't have time to handle everybody else's life. I would just like to get my own life right. Great verse in Second Peter chapter 1. It talks about this. I'm going to read verse 5 through 9. It says this. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. And with moral excellence, with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. 
and godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. I love this. This is great. Verse 8 and 9. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's verse 9. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed of their old sins. And when you forget about how God has cleansed you, you turn into a modern-day Pharisee. Because now, all of a sudden, you're not focused, and you forget all about how you've been washed and cleansed. Now all you can do is focus on, well, I don't think they've really gotten their life together, and I saw this as a problem, and I saw them do this, and I saw them do that, and they said this, and they said that. You know, God will handle them. He'll handle that situation. And I, I think sometimes God would just love to say, mind your own business. Stop meddling. You handle you. Let God work in you. And forget about all the others. I would like to encourage you. I, I, I don't know where you are today. You may be a Pharisee. You may be a, maybe you've forgotten how much you've been forgiven of. You find yourself getting angry at people. You know, the amazing thing is you get angry at the people you love. You take it out on the people you love. And I want to encourage you today to examine your hearts. Oh, Lord, don't let me get like this. I don't want to get short-sighted and blind. Forget how you've forgiven me. But, you know, you may be here. And you may be this woman. You may be the woman at that point in her life where she thinks she's worthless. You may be that woman that has a hard time believing that Jesus, that God could forgive you. Today, God wants to speak to your heart and say He loves you. He cares for you. He has a plan for your life. He's got a destiny for your life. And He wants you to come to Jesus like this woman with boldness. To say, Lord, here I am. And to lavish your love on the one who cares for you. The one who died on the cross for you. The one man who will love you for who you are and not what you perform. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Are you the forgiven sinner? Are you the unforgiven Pharisee? Or 
Are you at a point in your life where you're having a hard time believing God can forgive you or anybody else can forgive you? Maybe you're here this morning and you're just having a hard time forgiving yourself. You failed so many times. Fallen short so many times. You're having a hard time believing that God could forgive you again. I want to tell you, He loves you. And He wants to forgive you. He can do it again. God wants to forgive you and restore you. Make you a brand new person. Today. If you would, I would ask you to stand to your feet. The altar call is kind of open this morning. You're a Pharisee and you need to ask God to forgive you for being that judgmental, critical person. You're always focused on everybody else. I'm going to ask you to come and repent of that. But you may be that woman. You may be that sinner who's having a hard time believing God can forgive you. I would ask you to come this morning. Say, Lord, I need you. Come to Jesus this morning like that woman came to Jesus. Say, Lord, I I come to you. I need your forgiveness, Lord. He welcomes you, anyone. Been struggling, believing that God loves you. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Struggling under a lot of discouragement, depression, anxiety. Things that have happened in your life. You're struggling with those things that are happening. Sometimes it's in your family. Just going to ask you to slip your way down to the front. I, I want to pray for all of you. God wants to encourage those who are hurt and broken. Sometimes we have to be like that woman. We have to be bold enough to get up out of our seat and move. That woman got out of her comfort zone, got over her fear, and she walked right into that Pharisee's home. If she can do that, you can make your way to this altar. She forgot about what everybody else thought. It didn't really matter. She knew the Pharisee hated her anyway. And she didn't care what the Pharisee thought about her. Some of you need to just forget about what everybody else thinks. Some of you are thinking, oh, if I go down to the front, somebody's going to think I'm a sinner. Well, they already know that. You had not fooled anybody. You're like all of us. I'm just going to ask you to come this morning. You need to know that God loves you and forgives you. Anybody else? Anybody else? God cares about you.
God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He's got a destiny for your life. Don't let the enemy steal that destiny. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just like to say this to each person. Maybe you've come to the front. Maybe you still haven't. But I just want to say that God cares about you. He loves you. He's got a plan and a destiny for your life. But you first have to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Take over in your life. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. If you don't mind, I find it helpful. If you can just raise your hands before the Lord and pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Jesus, and I give you my heart. I give you my life. I trust you, Lord, to work in my life. I believe that you forgive me, that your blood makes way for me to be forgiven. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for fulfilling my destiny. I receive your forgiveness. And forgive me, Lord, for believing the wrong things. Give me a heart, Lord, that I can love you like this woman loved you. A heart of worship. Thank you, Father. We bless the name of the Lord today. And thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Before you, before you dismiss, let me just want to say this. You know, if, if you came for the first time and you wanted this prayer to you was an acceptance of Jesus Christ for the very first time in your life, and the Bible says you became born again. Some of you have known the Lord for a long time, and this is the time just to come back and renew that relationship. But if this is the very first time you gave your heart to Jesus, I'd like you to just kind of stay up here, right up here, and I'd like to talk to you uh, for just a moment. Otherwise, may the Lord bless you. Thank you all for coming. Hallelujah.